0: Hey, welcome, friends, to a special episode of The Bible in Life. Today on the podcast, we've got a special guest with us, Aaron Couch, who's been a friend of mine and a minister for a long time. He's led Holy Land tours, and he's really passionate about the historical context and the Jewish world of Jesus. And so that's why I invited him to the show, just to share some of his thoughts and insights on that. So if you're interested in the historical context, if you're interested in the Holy Lands, if you're interested in... Uh, Jesus as a rabbi, if you're interested in the Good Samaritan, this podcast is for you, and so looking forward just to sharing all of this with you as we uh, sit down and we talk with Aaron. Welcome, Aaron, to the Bible and Life podcast. Since probably most of the people in my audience have no clue who you are, why don't you why don't you tell tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and kind of your background and what you're passionate about?
1: Okay, so I was raised in a preacher's home, graduated high school, went to Boise Bible College, um, and then uh, got out of that and moved over to Oregon City for a year in ministry and uh, worked there with Jim Putman. And then in in 1998, we moved from there to Post Falls and planted uh, what ultimately became Real Life Ministries, which is... Been this big church, and then uh, in 2007, um, felt called out of there to plant another real life in Moscow. And been there, been here for the last 11 years, and um, part of my big passion is uh, one of the things that along the way began to pique my interest is uh, the Bible in its context and um, understanding how to how to understand these confusing sayings of Jesus through the lens of his audience and his culture and the conversations going on around what he's saying and uh, how all that stuff affects it. And I feel like what's happened is it's become this just massive passion for me to, to understand. Uh, I, one of my, one of my friends, Brad Gray, he always says this, nobody likes to be taken out of context. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like that's true for the biblical writers as well. And so uh, that's kind of been my mission is to understand them in in the world that they're writing to
0: yeah yeah i know i've often joked with people when i'm talking about that very thing that uh imagine you know getting to the new earth and sitting down with paul peter john and they're saying dude you, you realize when i said that you took me totally out of context that would be an awkward conversation you know yeah. and you completely misrepresented what i said there yeah and who, who wants to have an yeah. apostle say that to, to you yeah. But, yeah. yeah, yeah yeah you've also recently just started your own podcast yeah, so we started the podcast
1: just um, the idea behind it was to be a, a service to our church. But, you know, the great thing about the Internet is that it can be a service beyond our church. Obviously, that's um, you snaked in on some of that. But just to have conversations around some of the really hot topics that the church is dealing with in culture that we don't deal with well. And and not so much about the great moral issues, but about things like abuse and depression and anxiety and suicide and some of those kind of things. Tandem to that, we wanted to be a place where we could explore um, just biblical questions and ideas and thoughts and and devotional ideas that we could parallel with our sermon series and those kinds
0: of things. Yeah. So, so has it taken off in the church? Have people been using it and has it been helpful to the church or?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a fun, it's been a fun thing. Our people are enjoying it and, and we're getting lots of good, um, feedback and and lots of good secondary
0: conversations out of that so it's been it's actually been really effective that's good that's good yeah no that's really like we were just talking before we actually formally got started I mean that's I I really believe digital media has the power to be a tool for discipleship you know so that's pretty awesome I think that's great you yeah
1: and and God being who he is people have a tendency to find their way to that when it's the message they need to hear, you know, like, and those are things that you may or may not even know the positive impact that you had in that moment. But somebody from Zimbabwe is able to access your material. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really cool. Like God is so faithful with all that stuff. So the message that he put in you is able to reach somebody that you'll never know this side of glory. Yeah. and, And still they're, they're able to, you know, it, it, just be blessed by it and, and walk closer to him. Too. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I just picked up just in the last couple of days, four listens from Peru on my podcast. It's like, that's just crazy. You know, it's like, how, how does that even Where happen? Is that place? I know, I know. And somehow they find it. So yeah, it was really crazy. So, how would you say your understanding of um, scripture really has grown and changed over the course of your life, Of course, your ministry and some of that? Yeah, so the, the
1: big thing for me has been the transition from understanding that uh, the Bible was written to, it wasn't written to me. That, that doesn't mean it's not like I don't have a benefit for it, but it wasn't written to me. It was written to real people at real place in real time. And because of that, in order for me to understand the Bible, I can't reason it the way that I would reason it necessarily, although the Holy Spirit totally uses the word of God in our own hearts, right where we're at, at whatever level we're at, but to, to really get into some of those deeper, more beautiful, just the, the bright technicolor uh, views of scripture and insights that can be gleaned. You got to understand who wrote it, who they wrote it to, how they chose to write it. And, and then it starts to unveil this really amazing message. That's got layers
0: of depth and beauty that you never saw otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think one of the ways I've said that is it's, you know, God's word wasn't written to me, even if it was written for me. There's a benefit for me, even if I wasn't the original audience, you know, and and if we're going to, we're going to reap that benefit, we got to make sure we hear it in terms of the original audience. So we hear it accurately and rightly, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's almost like you're
1: standing outside of a conversation that the Holy Spirit has inspired, but it's going on between two people and you're just kind of eavesdropping on it. So you better know all the context around that conversation before you could deduce anything for yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I like that. And you've taken a number of trips to Israel and, and uh, places where the Bible stories actually happened. How that, has how's that shaped your, your engagement with Scripture, your understanding, your preaching, your teaching, all of that?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's been um, cataclysmically changing to okay. me. Yeah, a really good way, totally wrecked. And it, 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 when you're standing in Capernaum in the synagogue where Jesus taught, and you're like, these words he spoke here, like that's, yeah, that wasn't somewhere else, like that actually happened. (laughs) You know, yeah, those are the, it's crazy. And, and our trips are a little bit unique in that, um, we don't, uh, we don't do the typical sightseeing tour. Uh, although you go to all the classic sites because you have to, but, um, we do a, a hiking tour because I don't like being around all the other tourist groups. They're a distraction for me. Mm-hmm. And so you get out into the countryside and if you're willing to walk, there's some amazing places that you can visit that are so cool. And, um, it just opens up the word of God in ways that I, I, I mean, it's like the difference between re- you read a book. And you get this picture in your mind of what it is. And then you watch this movie in the theater. And for a change, the movie's actually better than the book.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Cause so Because it, it takes the book and gives it life and depth right. and meaning. And it just opens up the whole world of the Bible.
0: Yeah, I'm a little jealous. I've I've been scheduled to go on trips several times and for whatever reason, never worked out. So one of these years, Lord willing, I'm going to. Oh, you should totally come with us. You should come with us. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's your favorite place? If you had to just pick one place and then this place is just being at this place is, has meant so much to me or has really been, it was just eye opening to me. Yeah.
1: That's kind of like asking me which one of my kids is my favorite.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, not a fair question. Huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. Th- so there's a couple that really stand out. I love the Galilee just because 75% of Jesus's ministries in the Galilee. Right. And you can put it all in one photo. Yeah. Like it's it's incredible how small it is. Um I love Caesarea Philippi mainly because it was a conversation about Caesarea Philippi that opened up the whole world of understanding things contextually to me. Okay. Uh, so that has a deep personal meaning. Uh but I I the, the part that seems to be the favorite and on my trips is the desert. Really? Um, like yeah, we absolutely. go out to the desert and yeah, and it is hot and miserable and we're hiking twelve miles a day. And people are just griping and complaining, and we're like, yes. And then, and then we start pulling apart these metaphors out of the scripture. Like, why is it so important that God is described as living water? Yeah. Why is it so important that God is described as shade? And what is our call as His followers to to act? As, you know all these metaphors that come out of the desert, and it's so hard, and people are crying, and they get sick, and it you know. But at the end of the trip, that's the place that everybody wants to go back to. Really. You huh. need to go back to the desert because it's this like not only is it this personally transforming thing but as a group we did something together and yeah. and it feels like you did something
0: yeah
1: yeah and, and plus we do fun things like ride camels and that kind of stuff <laughs> so it's pretty it's pretty neat but that's that's probably the place that is the highlight of the trip for most
0: people wow awesome that's cool um Obviously at the heart of all of that is, as you mentioned already, the Jewish context of the world, particularly of Jesus and and all that, the gospels. Um and and so just talk a little bit about that, a little bit about the Jewish context and and how making sure we're in tune with the Jewish context when we read the gospels, read the words of Jesus is so critical to to hearing him rightly and and then following him well. But, yeah. So one of the things that people ask me all
1: the time is, "Why do you care so much about all this Jewish stuff?" Yeah, <laughs> which is really a bad question. It's not about all this Jewish stuff. It's it's understanding the Bible historically. Yeah, um, from its historical context. So it's a it's a historical hermeneutic. the the thing The thing that's important about that is Jesus is a rabbinic jew that's who he is and so if we're going to understand jesus we have to understand the rabbinic jewish world and we have to understand you have to have a super firm grasp on the old testament you have no concept of jesus if you don't understand the old testament
0: well i know i've told people that it's like if you just start in the the gospels which not that it's wrong. It's just it's like starting 75% of the way through a movie. You just walk into someone's house, they're watching a movie, and now you're asking, well, who's that? Why are they doing that? And they're frustrated because, like, just sit, sit down, shut up, watch the movie. Well, yes. that's what happens with the Bible when you just start in the New Testament is you've missed 75% of the movie, and you're, you're lost, you know? Yeah, it's a great analogy because, because you do get the
1: climax. You get the, you get the big apex of the movie, but the problem is you missed all this incredible storyline. Yeah, that builds up to And it's it. so much more meaningful. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I'm a big Old Testament guy. I'm a big advocate of that. But in order to understand Jesus, you have to understand him in his context. So what does it mean that just the just this like here's a simple one. We look at the Pharisees and go, don't be Pharisaical. Like they were these mean ogres that were just hated anything true. Well, the reality is that when when the Jews came back from Babylon, they believed that they'd gone to Babylon because they sinned. And so their determination was to live a life that was righteous and above reproach so that God wouldn't send them back into captivity. So the wrestling match for the Pharisees isn't we just want to beat up Jesus and be mean. It's, gosh, if we do this, this feels like that would be unrighteous. And when we sin, God sends us into captivity. So, like, I it just understanding just that one little cultural piece gives me tons of grace. Yeah. For the Pharisees, because that's exactly the conversation the church in America is having today. That's the, what are the moral standards that the church, church historically imposed on the scripture? And what are the ones that we have to hold to? And how do we wrestle those out? That's the conversation that they're having. And Jesus is so radical for them in so many ways. They're just like, we, just, we don't even know what to do with what you're doing. Like, but you think about it, like the Pharisees put up with him for three and a half years. <laughs> like they wrestle with him and conversate with him and he spends one week with the Sadducees and they kill him. Like that's, that's really the, the Pharisees aren't these mean ogres that we try to paint them as. They're these right. guys that are really trying to figure out how to follow God. They're just doing it from a very close minded perspective and they miss God altogether.
0: Yeah, no. And I think even that little observation sheds light on a passage like Matthew five seventeen, where Jesus says, I didn't, don't think I came to abolish the law and the prophets. Yeah. Yeah. their reaction to Jesus, you, you're telling us to go against the covenant. And the last time we went against the covenant, it didn't end well for us. We don't want to do that. And Jesus is like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not saying go against the covenant and abolish the law of the props. I want to bring it to its intended climax because it's an intended goal. I, yeah. want to, I want to fulfill yeah. it,
1: you know? Yeah. And, and Jesus, as a, Jesus as a Jewish rabbi. He teaches in parables, which we think parables originate with Jesus. They don't. They're all over the Old Testament as well. But um, they, you know, this very rabbinic to teach with parable, very pharisaical, by the way, all the recorded parables that we have historically are all from Pharisee r- rabbis. They're not, there's none, Not even from Sadducees, which there's a couple of opportunities to explain that one would be that the Sadducees didn't teach in parable. The other one would be that when Rome came through and destroyed the temple, they destroyed all this Sadducee yeah. writings. That's totally right. possible. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> what we know is all rabbis taught with what's called Remez. um, which is this hint that gets dropped in a parable. They didn't call it remez in the first century, but the it would be called that later, but the, this teaching technique exists. Well, in that parable, they drop a hint that anchors it to an Old Testament passage, and it's in that Old Testament passage that we find the meaning of the parable. And so it's this story that encapsulates this idea that drives us in, okay, well, what's where's the remez in that? So you and I now are left with the task of, well, well I think the remez is in this passage. No, I think it's in this passage. And so you and I now are left, if it's a good parable, debating the text. Right. Which, which makes every rabbi smile, right? Yeah, because now you're thinking about the text. Yeah. Oh, gosh dang it. He walked away and we kept talking about God's word, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's the idea of that, which is this beautiful thing that we understand. But now we go back in and we go, okay, well, if that's true, then let's go back and revisit Jesus's parables through that lens. Right. Like, what do we learn? Uh, And it's incredible what we can pick up. Like, where's the Rames in this? And he's, oh my goodness, it sheds whole new worlds. What's so funny to me is we we believe that God, that Jesus told parables to confuse people, and he didn't tell parables to confuse people. He told parables to drive people to the text.
0: Right, right.
1: What he does is he takes the the parables and he drives them to these passages that they're neglecting, which is incredible. Um, If you think about like. We all cherry pick the Bible. All of us do it. And what the Pharisees were doing was cherry picking these certain passages about right righteousness and holiness. And Jesus keeps telling them remezes about passages that were about loving the Gentiles and being a light to the nations and calling them back to their intended mission, which is about putting God on display to the world. And they're not doing it. They're living yeah. separatist.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's that's good. That's, yeah. So this, he's this brilliant teacher of hiding these hints that are like, you've got to go Back and see what your mission was supposed to be in the beginning.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that's awesome. On that note, why don't you uh what, what, maybe just give us a text? Walk us through a little bit of a passage. Maybe that, the, knowing the Jewish background, knowing some of the culture, knowing the world, knowing the geography, whatever it is, knowing the the whole historical and cultural setting of uh, the world of Jesus. What, what's a text that has just like your understanding has been enriched or deepened or even shifted because of all of that? Oh gosh. Um,
1: you know, uh, I would talk about the parable of the good Samaritan, um, which, and I'll give you uh, rabbi Hillel says that every, every scripture has 70 faces. So, uh, it's like taking a diamond and looking at one facet and going, Oh my goodness, that's so beautiful. And then you turn it and you see a whole nother facet and a whole nother beauty to it. That's kind of the way the word of God works. But, um, I, I'll give you a layer, a few, a few layers to the, to the parable, of the good Samaritan. Um. So, first of all, he's set up with this question, uh, what's the greatest commandment? Which is a dead giveaway to the people that he's, t- that he's talking to. Who's in this crowd? Because how he answers that question labels which rabbi he, he sides with. Where's his yoke? And um, the, the big one in the Galilee is the Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi Shammai those two rabbis are kind of at opposite ends of the spectrum. Hillel is the more uh, progressive, like love your neighbor. He's uh, Hillel believed that the greatest commandment was love, love Lord your God with your heart, so mind and strength. That's really the one that the only one that everybody agreed on, which is a funny, which makes this a funny question. But his second one was love your neighbor as yourself. Right. So we can see where Jesus lands in all that. Shammai said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with our heart, so mind and strength. The this, number two is, to honor the Sabbath because in honoring the Sabbath, we choose to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so because we can't honor all the commandments all the time, each rabbi has them prioritized. Right. Right. So this this question that comes to Jesus is what's the greatest commandment? Really what he's pining for is the second, what's the second one. So Jesus says, uh, Love Lord your God with our hearts and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Second one's just like it. All the law and the prophets hang on these two things, right?
0: Says, with, planning them with Hillel at that point.
1: Yeah. But here's the tricky part. Uh, when you get in the rabbinic debate, this love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the question, the follow-up question is a really good one. Who is my neighbor? And Hillel said, is it you my neighbor? Yes. Is the Roman soldier my neighbor? Well, God has placed him next to me. So yes. Shammai said, absolutely not. And uh, Shamites were uh, kind of the birth of the zealot movement and that kind of thing. You know, those guys, the, the Sikarim who were the killers, the, the assassins, um, those guys all came up from a Shammai yoke. Hillel was like the Roman soldiers are our neighbor because God has placed them in our life. But what about Samaritans? Absolutely not. Even Hillel said absolutely not to the Samaritan. Okay. Yeah. So when Jesus tells the story Um, he says, so let me tell you a story. Uh, guy's on his way from Jericho, from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he falls among thieves and he gets beaten up and left for dead. And on the way is a Levite. And the Levite passes by on the other side of the road, which is hysterical because the Jericho Road is a trail that's about, we walk a section of it when we go to Israel. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's about 18 inches wide. It's just a trail.
0: So that the other side, like what even is that? Yeah, you're basically Um, stepping over the guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't want to touch him. Now the question is why? Okay, Okay. So Jericho is this resort town for priests and Herodians. That's who lives in Jericho in the first century. So why is the priest or the Levite, that's the second one, going from Jericho to Jerusalem? Well, probably because they want to fulfill their service at the temple, which is noble, but they choose to prioritize their commands. If I help this man who's wounded, I'm unclean. Right. Therefore, I cannot then go and do my service at the temple. So I prioritize temple service over helping my neighbor that's this is wrestling match it's how do we work how do we so they're not being mean ogres they're living out their yoke and right. what jesus is challenging is is that the right yoke right yeah. so then he says but then there was this samaritan and everybody's like oh no but what jesus says and it's absolutely stinking brilliant is he says okay he put him on a donkey. He bind his wounds up with oil and wine and took him to an inn at Jericho. And, and then he went and he paid the innkeeper and said, if you've gone over, in, over and above anything that I have, that I, I will settle it with you when I get back. You just take care of this guy. Now, here's the question. Why do they have to accept this teaching? Like, why do they have to do this? Well, it's because that's the remez, So 2 Chronicles 28, this story has actually happened before. The king of Samaria captured a bunch of Israelites, put them in prison, and a prophet came to him and said, you're going to anger the God of the Jews, God of the Israelites. And he's like, well, I don't want to do that. So he took all his prisoners, put them on donkeys, bound their wounds with oil and wine, and sent them to an inn in Jericho and paid for their care. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, the
1: reason why this matters is a cultural piece called social reciprocity, which means if i give you a gift you are re- you're obligated to give me a a greater gift right that's just talking so the nature of the way those relationships worked in the yeah, this is and this is absolutely in an honor shame culture which is right. what this is and there's tons of movies about honor shame culture like the last samurai a lot of the eastern oriental mo- like 47 ronin you brought shame on the family so you're rejected like honor shame culture's Super important that we bring honor to the family by honoring what's required of our culture So social reciprocity says I give you a flower. You give me food, right? And if I give you something and you don't accept it, that is absolutely you're bringing shame on your whole family So what Jesus is saying is not only do you have to be a neighbor to the Samaritans But it's it's culturally required of you to do it and you guys are choosing to bring shame on your families in an honor-shame culture because you refuse to be a neighbor to the Samaritans. Because
0: he did, in the past, he's done good to to you Israelites, the Samaritans has, and you're not reciprocating You're obligated, yes. Because of social reciprocity, you're obligated to do
1: this which we miss all that. And we can get great. Like, so you got to love the unlovable. You got to be kind. Even when people aren't kind to you got to get into people's, just all those things are good applications. But once you start imposing the cultural realities onto this, it's like, oh my word, this is way bigger. Jesus is making a way bigger statement than just be nice to people who are broken.
0: Yeah. So, so if you're teaching or preaching that, in your congregation or to a, you know, a group of, of people, then what application would you pull out of all of that? Would you say, so here's how we should respond to the text? Yeah. So, so there's a lot of ways that we could respond, but, but I would say one, one
1: quick one would be like, who are the Samaritans in life? Who are the people that when you look at them, you've rejected them? Yeah. Is that, is that the, the angry neighbor next door? Is it the coworker that gossiped about you and lied? Is it, uh, who, who are the, who are the people that are your, Samaritans in your life? Is it, uh, and if you get even more dicey, is it the homosexual community? Is it the drug dealer in your neighborhood? Is it the pedophile that you don't want to live next to? Who's the Samaritan in your life? Because God is calling you to be a neighbor to that person. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, and that's when it gets like, when you put the kingdom of God on display in that world, now you look like Jesus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's good. I like it. That's good and stuff. You get there. Of emails. You'll get a couple of emails when you preach that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It happens, you know. We preachers know how that goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's good. I appreciate it. So as we wrap up here, just uh, what's what's the name of your podcast? Where can people find you?
1: Yeah. So the con the, the podcast is called A Better Conversation. And the goal is that we learn as a church how to have a better conversation around some of these really big topics that the church just traditionally deals with really poorly. Um, and that's been the hope of it since day one. And, uh, hopefully it'll be a blessing to people. If they want to check it out, they can find it on, uh, uh, iTunes podcast. They can, I think it's on the Google podcast thing and a bunch of different ones. So yeah. it's also on our website. You can get it off our website, uh, liferotp.com. Okay. Well, say that again. What was the website again? Lifer OTP, OTP stands for on the Palouse, yep. uh, dot com, And, uh, you can go to our website and if you scroll down on our main page, uh, there'll be a little picture that says a better conversation. You can click on that. It'll take you to the
0: podcast. You can subscribe there. Awesome. Very good. And I'll put some of that down in the, uh, the notes underneath my, my podcast. So people can find those links and all that if they want to and check some of that stuff out. So awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the conversation. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for some of your insights into the world of Jesus and the text and, uh, Appreciate uh, you, appreciate your ministry, appreciate your your seriousness about the text, because that's really my heartbeat, too. Really, that's the heartbeat of my my podcast is uh, we want to know the text, and we want to know how it impacts our life and intersects with our lives. So but thanks yeah. for the time to, to yeah, chat. Appreciate what back. you're doing, John. Love it. All right, man. God bless Aaron. All right. Uh, take care. Yep. All right. There you have it. That's some good um, insights from Aaron, and hopefully it's helpful to you. You know, I mean, one of the most important things about Bible study is to remember that we're reading a book. We're reading letters and uh, history books and all of that that were originally written in a different language to a different culture uh, at a different point in time. And so if we're going to really hear it well, we need to make sure we hear it on its terms, which means we have to get into the world of the Bible in order for the Bible to really get into our life. And so um, appreciate Aaron just sharing some of those insights, particularly about the Jewish world of Jesus and all of that. Last week, we wrapped up the Sermon on the Mount. Next week, we're going to be jumping into some uh, other passages. I would love, before I just jump into stuff I want to study, to hear from you. If there's passages you're wrestling with or passages that have meant a lot to you that you would love to hear my thoughts on, shoot me an email and let me know, and um, I will uh, share some of those on the show and just study some of those together. So uh, let me know what you want to study, and uh, then we'll proceed from there. So God bless you guys. I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time on The Bible and Life.